Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, I'm Jesse McAnally. And I'm Andrew DeWolf. And welcome to Musicals with Cheese, a podcast where I try to get Andrew to like musical theater week by week and show by show. How are you doing today, Andrew? Well, uh, just got out of prison. So, uh, I mean, thank you for picking me up and bringing me back here to do this podcast right away. That's okay. Um, also, have you ever tried Crystal Head Vodka? Um, I'm just going to tell you it has no glycol in it, and honestly, I believe aliens are real. There are plenty of photographic and audio materials, both conventional and digital, and also some trace physical evidence, which support the premise that ghosts, UFOs, and their occupants, plus other non-worldly presences exist. You know, you, you said you weren't going to go there for this. You said you, you weren't going to do this. And you said you weren't going to do cocaine on the sets, but but we're all liars, aren't we? <laughs> well, let's get the band back together. Yeah, sounds like an idea. Uh, <laughs> you know, for, for the church or something, right? We're on a mission from God. Other famous quotes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm being a little, a little dismissive, um, but this week we are covering the music and bluesy classic from the 80s. It's the Blues Brothers. Cue the music. Brothers is a film written by Dan Aykroyd and actual murderer John Landis, with music and lyrics by various artists. It is based on the characters Jake and Elwood Blues, which were created by Belushi and Aykroyd in performances on Saturday Night Live. The Blues Brothers opened on June 20th, 1980, with the release in 594 theaters. It took in 4,800,050... 
$4,858,152, ranking second for that weekend. After The Empire Strikes Back, another Frank Oz, Carrie Fisher joint. The film totaled $57 million domestically and $58 million in foreign box office for a total of $115 million. It ranked 10th at the domestic box office for that year. By genre, it is the 9th highest grossing musical and the 10th highest grossing earner among comedy road movies. It ranks 2nd between Wayne's World and Wayne's World 2 among films adapted from Saturday Night Live sketches. Director and actual murderer John Landis claimed the Blues Brothers was also the first American film to gross more money overseas than it did in the United States. It it laid the trail for the Warcraft movie. Over the years, the film has retained a, a cult following through television and home video. The plot of the Blues Brothers is Jake Blue is just out of jail and teams up with his brother, Elwood, on a mission from God to raise funds for an orphanage in which they grew up in. The only thing they can do is what they do best, play music. So they get their old band back together and set out on their way while getting in a bit of trouble here and there. Um, It's everyone's father's favorite movie. Like, specifically, okay, my my father-in-law loves this movie. He defined a lot of his personality from this movie and the quotes from it and all that kind of thing. So I felt like I had seen the movie without ever seeing the movie. You go to your TGI Fridays locally and they have the they have the figurines or the the yes. statues of the Blues Brothers. Uh there was an ice cream shop I used to go to that had uh, had the statues just sitting outside. Like people love the Blues Brothers. <laughs> so in Upper Michigan, one time me and my girlfriend were driving around up there and we just saw the Blues Brothers in a glass case in someone's front yard and we I stopped to look and I was like what is it and then the, <laughs> the person that owns the house is like hold on I'll open it we'll put you in the case and I was like oh <laughs> this is the way I get kidnapped okay you dropped some bombs okay we already dropped some bombs here did we actual murderer John Landis you're gonna have to just go through it real quick oh what do the I fuck have you to? talking about what the fuck are you talking about? You don't know the John Landis story? I feel like I know what you're talking about, but I, I think for our audience, if you're you know, drop the a bomb time like he that, was shooting the Twilight Zone film, had a helicopter flying like a couple yards above three actors, Vic Morrow and two Vietnamese children that were not supposed to be there um, because of labor laws. And then he dropped a fucking helicopter on them, beheading them and crushing the two children to death. And then he, he, he got off scot free. Um, after on the record saying, yo, get the helicopter closer to the actors. (laughs) There's footage of it. It's horrific. John Landis is a fucking monster and acquitted or not, that's bullshit, but he killed those people. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I did know what you were talking about. I just figured we might as well uh, maybe explain it for the less inclined so that you don't get in trouble on Twitter for calling someone a murderer. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I could just claim that his worst crime is birthing Max Landis into the world, but maybe I guess he was the ultimate helicopter parent. But um ching. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> there was some trouble with helicopters on this film, too, because um, he brought helicopters to shoot the prison scene and the prison wasn't alerted to it. So they just started shooting at the helicopters because they thought it was people trying to make an escape attempt. <laughs> and watching oh so many scenes from this film where I can just tell labor laws were ignored, like for the Nazi car at the end, they had to get FAA regulations for that car to crash. FAA aircraft regulations for a car. That- <laughs> 
Honestly, sincerely, though, I'm shocked it took John Landis this as long as it did for him to kill someone. It, it's weird because Spielberg, Steven Spielberg, is in this movie. He has like a little cameo role, and it's because of the Twilight Zone incident that they broke up as friends. And I, I it was just a sad reminder of what came to be and the blood on John Landis's hands. And I can't wait for all the comments. Well, actually, he he they they thought he wasn't uh, responsible because the court of law. No, fuck you, fuck you, people. You have to take uh, some, at least some of the responsibility as the director of the movie. And also, like, whoever's idea it was to fly a helicopter over people, that's fucked. And also, the fa- well, also that, but also, why wouldn't you have a stunt double instead of making 86-year-old Vic Morrow carry two full-grown children across a lake um, after expressing, like, I don't want to do this, and then saying, too bad, you're, you're an actor in this movie. So... Back to the blues, bro. I had to get my spiel about John Landis and how much I hate him and think he's a blight to society and not a single one of his movies is good enough to warrant what he's done. Sure. But let's ignore him for a bit and talk about the Blues Brothers. Sure. Um, which um. <laughs> I think is a is a genuinely good movie. It's a um, fine movie. Despite the despite the director. What what the Blues Brothers does that's really good is it brings a lot of stars like in the blues and soul and jazz scenes and just puts them all in one place, which is, uh, it's kind of incredible that something like this exists. We got Ray Charles, we got Aretha Franklin, we've got yeah. Cab Calloway, we've got heavy hitters. Um, yeah, and they're, they all do, like, singing numbers, too. Mm-hmm. It's not like these are just cameos where they don't do anything. Uh, James Brown, I think, yeah. is in it. Um, James Brown singing live too. Take that, Tom Hooper. Yeah, just just a lot of like big big names all show up and all sing songs, and it's just it's incredible. <laughs> yeah, every musical Which, number is fantastic. Like anytime there is a song going on, I am engaged. Essentially, the Blues Brothers has two things, <laughs> um, and one of them I think it's inarguable that it does well, which yes. is the music numbers, and the other one. I think it does well, but I feel like it's iffy-ish at times, and that's big, over-the-top car chases. <laughs> and then maybe a few jokes in between. <laughs> yeah, and there's there's jokes in between. Um, why don't we, says we're going to talk about the songs for sure later, yeah. why don't we talk about the car chases, um, which there's, I think, two distinct ones that are, like, there's big? There's two big ones. You have the mall car chase and the final car chase to get the money. Yes. It, there's a couple, like, shorter ones between mm. there, but those are more, like, car moments. Yes. Um, the mall chase is iconic. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody knows about it. Uh, and honestly, watching it, though, it's kind of lame. <laughs> so, there are... <laughs> I think it's pretty impressive, but let's talk about the director for a moment. They shot the car chase in the mall twice. The first time they wanted it completely safe, so they did it without extras in the shot. Um, But the problem is, if you do it without extras in the shot, you don't have a frame of reference for how fast or slow a car is going, so it looks like you sped up the footage rather than them actually going fast. So instead, they had to put extras in the shot so you had a frame of reference and made it 50 times more dangerous. Oh my god, there's a couple like close calls that I yeah. that you can see that are like, oh my god, that car was like a foot from them. Like, and I get that it's probably planned or whatever, but I mean, we just talked about the, the Twilight Zone incident, but yeah. like how close were we to having one of those in the Willis Brothers? 
<laughs> exactly. And like <clears throat> even the masters of explosion, like Michael Bay, you, have you ever seen behind the scenes footage of a Michael Bay film? I haven't, but I assume he's quite safe. No, there are like 50 close calls on all of them oh, for no, crew and not extras safe. and everything. Like you they're can't going do this shit. Like, I mean, if there's anything positive to say about the influence of CGI in our media is it does make the human element a little safer. I mean, fuck, even things like the Harry Potter films, like the stunt double for Daniel Radcliffe for his entire, like, basically the entire Harry Potter series on the last film got fully paralyzed for a stunt. And yeah, like never recover fully paralyzed. Oh, yeah, yeah. He is basically cannot move anymore. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. So what, like what kind of fucking stunts are they having these people do? The thing about stunt doubles, like they only exist because it doesn't matter if they get hurt. There's no there's no stunt training. It's just, hey, throw yourself down the stairs. That's it. It's just you're not as expensive as the main guy, so go do the dangerous thing. Um same with Deadpool. Like a woman, a stunt woman died on the set of Deadpool 2. Like it is a common occurrence. You get your name at the end and it just happens and they move on with the production. The thing is, if someone it's to not to quote the Joker, the Rust production, um, like with um the young woman that was unfortunately killed on that production, um, that's someone that wasn't supposed to be in the line of fire to begin with. So I I mean I've got my own opinions there. I don't quite know if the 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 manslaughter charger should be on alec baldwin as an actor but rather him as a producer so in my opinion no one should die making a movie it's fucking ridiculous um obviously sometimes things happen that are unpreventable but when your stunt double dies because you had them throw themselves down the stairs or some shit yeah or crash a motorcycle into a wall. That's your fucking fault. Um, so yeah, it's a little scary watching the mall scene a little bit. Yeah, I mean, the mall scene is impressive. Like, I don't want to take anything away from the fact that it is a very impressive thing to watch happen in front of you. Um, I don't believe it was done with the most safety in mind, though. What I meant by lame a little bit isn't that it wasn't like technically impressive that they were able to do it or anything like that. It's just... It's literally like they shot a bunch of parts of, like, scenes of cars crashing through glass. Like, <laughs> over and over and over. Um, it, it's like the same thing happens, like, ten times. Mm-hmm. Um, Fast and Furious, this is not. Uh, you know, like, if this was a, a Fast and Furious movie, I'm sure Vin Diesel would have, uh, like, launched his car up the escalator or some shit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, it's just kind of them driving around a mall and crashing into every store. But on the other hand, <laughs> how often do you see that? Not very often. I mean, I get, I get the appeal of that. No, it's it's funny. I think the thing with the car chases is not that they're necessarily exciting, but they're funny, um, which it's cool. Yeah. I think it's also quite funny that the police, the police drive into the mall and continue the chase through the mall. Um, you got to catch those those gents. Why don't we talk about why this movie didn't do well in America? Um, Sure. So, there's probably a good number of reasons. It was the first SNL film, and they were just kind of testing the waters there. But a good uh, one that Dan Aykroyd blames very pointedly is, you notice how it wasn't released in thousands of theaters. It was released in 500 theaters. That is because there is a lot of African-American people in this cast, a lot of black people in this cast, and 
the people releasing it at a lot of theater chains refused to do it because they considered it a predominantly black film, specifically in the South. So most this film didn't even get a release in the South, where, I don't know if you know this, a lot of pe- black people live too um, and probably would have seen this movie. Um, so to appease racists, they refused to release this in the American South. Yeah, um, which brings me to the next point-ish that I want to make is just mm-hmm. watching this movie. I think it's notable how much of an anti-racist stance it sort of takes. Yeah. It's not like hardline political or anything like that. I mean, today it is. I mean, they they, they, have, they have a very hard stance against Nazis, which apparently is very controversial to have yeah, today. I mean, we're kind of going backwards, I think. Well, it feels like some of the country is going backwards while the rest of us are like trying to plow even further forwards it's it's we're in a weird time right now i mean yeah specifically uh one of the main sets of bad guys and and i think the only bad guys who like explicitly die are the nazis (laughs) as they should (laughs) i'm i'm glad i want them to be dead they literally end up six feet underground um (laughs) not because they're in a grave but because their car falls that far and yeah, they fall lands. out of the sky and crashes under the ground, then gets crushed by a different car. <laughs> it's honestly kind of great, and it's very fun to watch. Um, I also love the scene where, they, <laughs> where they're waiting in traffic on what is clearly a sidewalk and not a road. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. And the Blues Brothers are so fed up in, at this traffic that they... Because it's a Nazi rally on a bridge, so they literally just drive through a crowd of people... All of them Nazis, of course, yeah. and the Nazis all jump into the into the river. It's a very funny scene. And then they promise to murder the Blues Brothers. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yes, and they fail miserably. They, in fact, die. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite things... Okay, I, I'm going to talk about things I really like. I really like the way this film shoots Chicago. I think it really does kind of make Chicago a landmark kind of i hate using the phrase it's like a character in the film but it kind of is like they literally use wrigley field very well both for comedy and as a location i think it looks great and there are some elements that are shot in milwaukee wisconsin too and i think it all flows together really really well i mean this is maybe the best chicago has ever looked (laughs) yeah I, i i don't disagree and in fact um Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi donated like $50,000 of their salary to donations to Chicago to be able to shoot it there. It was a big part of what they were trying to do. The end credits is like a uh, massive list of thank yous to everyone that lives in Chicago, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, All of the Chicago government uh, just fucking they somehow named everybody that lives in Chicago, I'm sure, in the credits. (laughs) Um, how about we go into some wild facts, Andrew? Here's the first wild fact. Rar. Carrie Fisher took part in two of the biggest on-screen kisses of 1980. Princess Leia with Harrison Ford's Han Solo in The Empire Strikes Back, and with John Belushi's Jake Blues in The Blues Brothers. So, she said that John Belushi is a much better kisser than Harrison Ford, by far. Oh, fuck. I'm actually not surprised. That's actually not surprising. Yeah, Harrison Ford seems like a guy that has horrible breath and terrible stubble, where John Belushi just feels like a man that's very squishy. He he seems like he would have more passion, too, than, uh, than Harrison Ford would. Yeah, yeah. John Belushi, man. Um, I, I don't get his appeal. 
I don't get his comedic appeal. I didn't get him on SNL. I don't love him in Animal House. Um, I, I really don't get it. I think this is the only movie I like him in. I, I don't think I've even seen anything else with him in it, really. Yeah, I mean, I've read the SNL biography about it, and he just seems like a real pain they has to deal with, to be honest. I mean, it's sad, but oh, yeah. I kind of think that his death might have been the best thing to happen to this movie. Because I think a lot of people that love this movie, it's partially because it's like, it was the last big thing that he did, kind of. Mm. But his addiction was really ballooning on this film. In fact, um, cocaine was part of the budget. <laughs> um, really? Yeah, because they, they were shooting so many nights, they were using it to wake up, so it was added to part of the budget. But it ballooned because uh, John Belushi had some addiction issues. I don't know if you knew this. Um um belushi's growing cocaine use caused the production to stall so much as well um landis went to the star's empty trailer found a mound of coke on a table and started flushing it down the toilet before belushi walked in knowing they couldn't replace him the studio decided to simply deal with it um quote saying we had a budget in the the movie for cocaine for night shoots dan Aykroyd said in vanity fair but landis downplayed it belushi saying that he they only lost four or five days of the six-month shoot due to drugs Four or five days is a lot of days in a shoot. So maybe I'm like just born after all this. Mm -hmm. Was cocaine legal? <laughs> I mean, is anything legal? How do you budget that in a film, though? How do you like? How do you list that as a in part of the budget? Um, you can just list it as um energy supplements. Energy supplements. Is that was that what you would put on your? I mean, I wouldn't put cocaine in my film as anything to use, but there, there, there are certain ways you can budget. Because at the end of the day, it's just what are you spending your money on? Energy supplements. Yeah. Um, this film was blessed. Did you know this? It had to have been. They were on a mission from God, right? Yeah. Pope John Paul II, you know, the one that hit all the pedophiles, was making his first papal trip to the U.S. as part of a stay in Chicago that saw him lead a mass in Grant Park. Visited the set, um, and at the set, John Belushi and others kissed his ring, and Weiss later, later said, all the Catholics in our crew crew just hit the floor. Um, in 2010, the Vatican's official newspaper placed the Blues Brothers on its list of recommended films for Catholics. They cited how the duo battles cops, neo-Nazis, crazed country fans in a bid to save the Catholic orphanage which they were raised in, adding that the orphanage is their only family and they decide to save it at any cost. So this is they, both blessed and sponsored by the Catholic Church. Do they also mention how the scene with the nun depicts her just beating them with uh, rulers and also they just keep swearing and taking the Lord's name in vain or whatever? Yeah, say Christ a bunch, they say the fuck word every ten minutes. Okay, I mean, good, you know, the Catholic Church recommending something good for once. <laughs> Fair enough. <clears throat> Let's talk about Cab Calloway for a second. He, When he originally recorded Many of the Moocher in the 30s, the chorus lyrics were simply, Hody, hody, rather than the lengthened, Hody, 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 ho. In an interview, Calloway explained that the one time he was doing the song, he suddenly forgot the words, so he immediately shouted ho-dee, ho-dee, ho ho and carried on the song that way. That proved to be more popular with fans than the original, and he started singing it differently ever since. That's pretty funny. Um, was that back when he first started doing it, or was yes. that... The originally okay. when he was doing it in the 30s. Um, when he was brought in to do the Blues Brothers, they actually they wanted the original version, but he was trying to get them to do the disco version for this film. 
Um, but they were like, no, we want the original. He begrudgingly did it. Apparently, he was not happy. He wanted to do the modern spin on it. And in doing so, it would have dated this film a lot. It would have dated the film a ton. And it would have robbed us of Cap Calloway's, like, final big performance on film. It's incredible, too. Like, the energy. <laughs> like, have you ever seen Cap Calloway when he's young? I, I'm such a big Cap Calloway fan because I don't know if he sings as much as he just screams, but... Cap Calloway is a really great performer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, the stuff when he was young, like, they put on a show. My God. He invented um, a specific kind of dancing, which I still see as an influence to so many people today. It, it was incredible. Um, and seeing him in this film is really amazing. Thank God they didn't do the disco version. <laughs> uh, not, I mean, the disco version is probably fine, like, whatever. But this is literally his last film performance, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and imagine if it was the disco version and not him performing the original. Here's a story about Minnie the Moocher. She was a low-down huge coocher. She was the roughest and the dumbest frail. But Minnie had a heart as big as a whale. Hidey, 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 hidey. Hidey, 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 hidey. Hidey, I agree. He looks great in this movie. His energy, like doing many of the moocher, his energy is the same as it was in the 30s. Like, it, yeah, I love that scene. That's probably my favorite musical moment in the film is that moment when he's singing. The And the final wild fact, did you notice the two director cameos in this film? I saw one. I don't think I noticed. So the one that I feel like I noticed was uh, Frank Oz. Yeah, he's uh, there at the very beginning looking very Frank Ozzy. I don't think I saw steven spielberg he was the one that wrote them the check uh basically the one at the uh accountant's office he was eating a sandwich okay you know what i didn't i did not recognize him that's just straight up didn't recognize him yeah i saw him immediately i was like oh stevie spiels how you doing he's uh, he's got a charm on screen like he I, i'm surprised he didn't do more cameos because he's pretty good at it yeah he didn't do a bad job like i, di- I didn't even recognize like Oh, that's Steven Spielberg, 100%. Like. <laughs> but that's the end of our wild facts. And Andrew, let's move on to our favorite part of the game where we compare our opinions to those real-life letterbox reviews over on letterbox.com. It's time for the letterbox game. One star, five star. All right, Andrew. In case you don't know, I'm going to read you real letterbox reviews. And the ratings are either one star or five star. And you got to tell me just based on the review alone. Are you ready? I'm ready. I mean, as ready as I'll ever be. I'm on a mission from God. So, fun fact. uh, This is kind of a lie. There is no one-star reviews of this on Letterboxd. What? So I kind of had to go and search other places. Wait, so this actually... You know what? That's kind of surprising. Like, nobody dislikes this movie? I Also, just maybe people don't revisit this movie. I don't imagine the Zillennials going there and being like, Oh my God, I need to rewatch the Blues Brothers because it's my grandfather's favorite movie. This this style of music is not that popular now. Um, really. It's going to get a resurgence, though, because this kind of music is timeless. Oh, it will. It's just, at the moment, I can't imagine anybody. Okay. Like, who gives a shit about Dan Aykroyd? <laughs> Andrew, have you... Do you watch I Think You Should Leave on Netflix? I have never watched the show. I've seen a couple skits, though. There's a skit 
<laughs> that has ruined the Blues Brothers for me for a while. Um, I it's more than a uh, Drake and Josh being the Blues Brothers. No, that kind of makes me respect the Blues Brothers a little more. This one was where a guy is like in a tense situation where the girls are gonna a boyfriend and girlfriend are fighting, and he turns to his girlfriend. I think I know how to fix this. And then he goes and gets the Blues Brothers glasses and hat and does the dance. And then the dog starts freaking out. And everyone's just getting, screaming over each other. And he keeps telling her to turn it up. And it just becomes a loud cacophony until he starts crying. And <laughs> it's really awkward and unpleasant. It's just me, Barbie. I'm not the Blues Brothers. Uh, on some level, though, the Blues Brothers are an embarrassing. It's an embarrassing costume. Yes. Like, it's, it's like you're dressing for a funeral with sunglasses and a fedora. <laughs> who'd wear sunglasses especially on the internet so with that being said i had to search through different places is the point this is rated r but it is bot bad at all my parents never let me watch r-rated movies except this one there is no <laughs> like no sex there is some violence from the ex-girlfriend they say the f-word a few times and the s-word a lot kids don't talk about this but they hear swearing at school all the time so it's just so it is fine. Just tell them not to start using those words. <laughs> there is also a lot of drinking and smoking, but that is what oh they did God. back then. To me, the movie is boring up to the end. There is a scene where the car chase in the mall. It is fun to look at all the stores in there. There is also a lot of iconic music in the movie, too. <laughs> this is... This is a uh, 11-year-old writing a review of the Blues Brothers. Probably forced to by their parents. I was half expecting them to do the thing that you see in the YouTube comments, where it's like, I'm 10 and this is still my favorite song. Because you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's my dad's favorite song. Yeah, it's like, okay, wow. You're 10 and that's your favorite song, cool. Okay, um... I gotta say, this sounds like a one star. They didn't seem to like it that much. That is correct. <laughs> All right, next one. <laughs> this new steel book has the exact script on the back cover as the one with the fist. Forget it. This sounds like a review of the steel book specifically and not the movie. Um, uh, I want to say, I want to say this is a one star as well. That is correct. You ready? <clears throat> I'm ready. Movie starring John Belushi and Dan, I can't spell his last name, a.k.a. <laughs> the guy from Ghostbusters. I'm not a big blues <laughs> or jazz person, so the movie didn't really connect with me like it did my dad. Another child writing the... I like that Dan Aykroyd is the guy from Ghostbusters. Is he not, though? What else would you say he's from? The guy from My Girl? I mean, I would probably say he's the guy from Ghostbusters and the guy from Blues Brothers. <laughs> The guy from the alcohol ads. Uh, the guy from the like news. Fucking, he looks like a fucking child in Blues Brothers, by the way. He does. <laughs> they put the, uh, the, the sideburns on him and hoped you wouldn't notice. Yeah. Um, one, no, five. This is a five star. This is a five star. That, that is a five star. All right, Andrew, a couple more. It's funny and has a good message as both brothers at the end save the day by doing a good dead for God. I don't think they do it for God. I think they do it for Cab Calloway. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, they didn't do it for the 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 nun. Uh, I mean, I guess sort of they did it for the nun, but I think they mostly did it because they liked Cab Calloway, who was in the basement. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a five star. They they definitely liked it. Ah, uh, that is a one star. A one star. 
Well, I guess it wasn't uh, Christian enough for them. Mm-hmm. All right. Drake and Josh did it better. So The Drake and Josh portrayal has its own problems because uh, Drake Bell exists. He's a monster. I want to say this is also a five star. I think this is ironic. This nope, is ironic it is a one post. star. Oh my god. <laughs> Alright, last one, Andrew. Where do you even, even find that post? That one was actually from Letterboxd. Oh, I thought you said there was no one stars on Letterboxd. That was the one one star. Oh, okay. Like, there wasn't enough to make a list, you know? Gotcha. All right, last one. It's almost impossible to dislike the Blues Brothers. It has charismatic leads, classic songs, and supremely well-filmed car chases. But I still have no idea what it is about. It's an odd mix of musical, comedy, and action. Five five stars? This sounds well-articulated. Like they're, That was they a one star, it. and that ends the Letterboxd game! <laughs> it's almost impossible to dislike it, except for me, who hates it. <laughs> it's just not my thing, you know? Zero out of ten. All right, how about we, get, we go into a mid-show, and then we talk about some songs. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, sorry to interrupt you in the middle of the show, but we've got a sh 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 at you. We're the Blues, Andrew and Jess, and today we're coming at you in the mid-show to be all bluesy and tell you that there's this place on Patreon. We're on a mission from God. I'm a soul man. I love that song. <laughs> but it's only good when Drake Bell and Josh Peck do it. That's true. That's true. Um, Because they're alive-ish. Um, But Andrew, tell us a little bit about Patreon. Um, Patreon is where you can go if you are on a mission from God to support us. 
Um, I am. So what you have to do is uh, run from the cops and everybody and, and send that $5,000 directly into our Patreon account. Technically, <laughs> um, adjusting for inflation, it's around $20,000, so send that to our Patreon account. Yeah. No, but on the real, though, we have uh, commentary tracks. We have we just put out a new Rugrats one. We're probably going to do the other Rugrats movies as well, because we said yeah. we would eventually. Um, I'd like to do uh, Blues Brothers 2000. I think that'd be a pretty funny commentary <laughs> track or... Or maybe a mini episode. I think a mini episode. That would be a proper episode because I, I I feel like if you're just watching it happen during the musical numbers, you're like, man, this sucks. Blues yeah. Brothers 2000 is is an interesting one, but we, uh, it does kind of suck. We did do the both <laughs> co- Camp Rock movies. We did the Goofy movie with Sideways. There's a lot of good stuff oh, yeah. on there. We got a lot of good stuff in the backlog. So if you've never been on our Patreon before, I mean, check it out. Yeah, uh-huh. but the people currently on our Patreon is Melissa Goldman, Danielle Rennix, Jess Stampede, Ewan Cassidy, Monica Thoreau, Mina Maniri, Brent Black, Daniel Stacey Coombe, Joseph Evans Green, Mary Lou Choquette, John Wa- Vanals, Russ Walker, Musical Hell, Emily Gracie, Kyle Summers, Jen AC, Scoot in the Technicolor Dreamcoat, Liz Lim, Nothing is Certain Except Beth and Taxes, Thesbian, Ren Cullen, Raphael, Martina Salaz, Jessica T, Mitchell Young, Chai Teacup, Katie McDonough, Chris Marcote, Kiji Marie Anastasio, Trevi Joseph, Layla, RJ Narija. Charlie B, Bjorn Herman, Toriana Frazier, Sammy the Most, Lopez, Liana Morton, Kaylee Blazier, Cinemageddon Reviews, Villainous Miss, Sofiana Ali, The Omega Geek, P- Paige Pearson, Maddie Wargle, Elisa Erdman, Anna Loskatova, Cheska Veray, Sarah Den Blakier, Evan Ball, Zachary Torres, Gathering Party Before Venturing Forth, Rora Morasso, Marla Forloin, Mara Forloin, Captain Rontaskic, Lisa L, Sarah Walsh, and Nobody. They give us a little extra financial support that helps us keep the lights on here at Musicals with Cheese. If you'd like to join them in supporting us, get all the shit that Andrew talked about, plus more, come join us over at Patreon. All right, Andrew, let's get back to the show. All right, where do you want to start with this? (laughs) Yeah, so this is not a traditional musical. No. At all. Um... But sometimes it Honestly, is like the musical numbers when we get like the big song and dance, it does feel a little bit like it. Yeah. So the thing with it is there's not really musical numbers that drive the plot forward in the sense that characters will sing how they're feeling or anything like that. No. Except for there also is like one number where they do that, but. <laughs> uh. landmark is the song that james brown sings yes. at the church 
And it's probably the um, most plot relevant song in there because we do end up somewhere differently. Yeah, so it's plot relevant, and I think it's plot relevant. And I guess I don't, I didn't listen that closely to the lyrics, but I feel like the lyrics of the song don't explain any plot stuff. But what happens during the song explains what's going on and how things are going to happen. Mm-hmm. So when they show up to the location, a song gets sung and they leave with an actual like goal. Um, so it's sort of a traditional musical number in that sense. Well, because of the song, um, Jim John Belushi gets sees the light and discovers the mission that he now has to go upon. Um, and then he does backflips. The backflips are fun. Okay, so all the dancing in this part is super fun. Yeah. And I mean, it's a it's a James Brown song. It's fucking great. And it just goes to show <laughs> the the old time tradition that black churches are just better than white churches. Straight up. Not even a joke. <laughs> Dude, um, white churches are so fucking boring. Holy shit. Every mass is like a fucking funeral. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I agree. And the only problem with black churches is they go on for like five hours, but all five hours, it's like a Broadway show. Um, but th- that's the joke of this one where it's like, I don't want to go to no church. Then we cut to this and it is the most alive you've ever seen human beings before ever. Honestly, it's a phenomenal song. It's mm-hmm. super fun. Uh, the fact that they managed to take this music number and turn it into a moment where they realize that now they are on a mission from God mm-hmm. to get the band back together to get money for the orphanage. Like it's it's great that they do that in so, in this way because like any other movie would have just had some fucking boring scene where the guys like what about the band? We could get the band back to get... Like, no, no, no. Like, this is a great way to do it. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not even pretending to take itself seriously. Like, which is part of the... One thing I really do appreciate this about this film is it doesn't really want to be anything other than what it is. Yeah. It it, it doesn't even try. It's no. literally... It's, it's so... There's no arcs. There's nothing. There's no, like, third act breakup between the two brothers or anything. Oh, my God. It literally, I'm... That would have happened. If, <laughs> yes, if it they make, If they made Blues Brothers today, fucking Elwood and, and Jake would have been like, oh, I can't even believe that you did this while I was in jail. I don't <laughs> even believe that you care about the band. I care about the band. I can't believe you lied about us having the gig, but we didn't have the gig, and then we had to play in front of like all those country bumpkins. Oh, well, my I needed God. the money. Like, it's, it would have been so bad, and they don't do it, and it's great. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's part of what the magic of this movie is. Um, I do want to talk about Ray Charles' song. Unprompted, he just sings Take, Shake a Tail Feather. Well, I heard about the fella you've been dancing with all over the neighborhood. So why didn't you ask me, baby? Or didn't you think I could? Well, I know that the boogaloo is out of sight. But the shingle is a thing tonight. But it's up to you and me, I'm the baby.
and the dance yes. everyone does is the most ridiculous thing on the planet. I love it. I love it so much. This song literally just exists because they're like, we have we have Ray Charles. We have a place for him in the movie. Yep. But how do we get him to sing a song? And they're just like, who cares? <laughs> this piano has no juice left in it. Yeah, it's got juice. Hold on. Song number. And it's literally just, let's just do it. And you know what? Again, it's a, it's a situation where it's like, who cares? Like, yeah. we got Ray Charles. He's singing a fucking song. Everybody's dancing in the streets. Like, why why do we want to take this away just because it doesn't make sense? <laughs> <laughs> and then the punchline, he's like, ah, oh, the piano's yours. I'll take, as always, an IOU. They do actually get him the money, surprisingly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they do. They really do. Um, I love that scene. It, the colors, the dancing, the energy, everything is perfect about that. Specifically, the editing in every musical number um, is something that I usually don't talk about too much unless it's bad. Here, I just noticed it in the good way where everything's on the beat, everything's moving, everything's flowing, and the time and energy it took. Um, John Landis, instead of flying helicopters into people, you should just shoot dance numbers. Um, you could have had a career. I mean, he actually does, he does, he did do a lot of music videos, apparently. Yeah, thriller. <laughs> yeah, so maybe, maybe he should have stuck to that. Yeah, maybe. Um, but let's move on to Aretha Franklin's song "Think," which is probably the most incredible song in the film, and probably the closest thing to like a plot song. Weirdly, because it does kind of feel like a musical theater number where someone's telling someone off. song which potentially isn't uh diegetic possibly but we also set up a diegetic saxophone in the scene it's true so this is the only one that like because every other song there's an actual explanation like they are actually singing for real 100 percent. we know that this is the only one where it's possible that we're actually just getting like mm-hmm. the raw emotion of the character and we maybe they're not really singing yeah but then they also set it up where maybe she is really singing because there's actually like a band there. <laughs> like... <laughs> so the fun fact about this scene, Aretha Franklin is not very good at singing with her own tra- a click track, basically not good with like lip syncing because she sings it different every time. And if you've ever watched her performance of her live, it is always different. So <laughs> there's yeah. not a single point in the film where she's really in sync with herself. <laughs> And it seems like they're trying to stage it far away where her head's turned around as much as they can to try to avoid that. As much as that is, like, crappy that that's how it had to be done, like, she's such a good performer that it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. The energy. And I love how good a dancer everyone in the scene is, and then you've got Dan Aykroyd and 
John Belushi just kind of lazily moving back. We've seen them dance better than that <laughs> they have earlier in that movie, but they were just like, I'm just gonna, we're just gonna do this lazy shuffle. They were tired that day. <laughs> he didn't, he didn't get the budgetary energy supplements. What I think is incredible about this movie is that there are so many obvious flaws in the movie, but it, it almost just doesn't fucking matter because the movie doesn't take itself seriously enough for us to like care. And there's just this charm to everything and like the music numbers and all this that it's just like the charm is almost overpowering where you're just like, yeah, it's like fundamentally flawed on some levels, but like whatever. <laughs> is there another film that's like that where it's fundamentally flawed, but so entertaining? I'm sure there is. I can I think of one right now? I don't know. I mean, in my like within the last 20 years. Has there anything? Because I feel like we pick apart everything that they're like, everything needs to be locked in. Every plot point needs to be perfect. And well, that is well, that is a problem right now where a lot of stuff does feel very corporate mm -hmm. and it's hard for corporate movies to feel. And I mean, this is a corporate movie, obviously. It's an but, SNL movie. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I guess the way corporations are making movies now, they're much more executive driven mm -hmm. kind of. And it's hard for. It's hard for like a Marvel movie to have real charm, you know? Yeah, and where you see the obvious faults of like the special effects or something like that, and it's not charming, it's kind of like it feels lazy. <laughs> where here yeah, it just feels nothing yeah. feels lazy. <laughs> nothing about this film feels lazy. This feels like a genuine love letter movie. Like mm -hmm. it feels like whoever was making this loved R and B and soul and jazz and and like uh classic like 50s rock and stuff like that and they loved those genres and they wanted to make a movie about it you know i agree i i it, the energy and love in the room is great um and i feel like this is a big labor of love across the board here um let's talk about the rawhide scene <laughs> rolling 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 though the streams are swollen keep them doggies rolling actually really like the rawhide scene it's so it's sort of the worst scene in the movie on one hand in that it goes on a little bit too long and they're not doing what they do best which is singing like blues songs um but it's kind of funny just they're like they're like making fun of what like country music which is great they're just like we have a room full of people that love country and we have a blues band how do we appease them Let's just play a fucking theme song from a TV show and they yeah. all love it. <laughs> we have we have both genres, country and western. <laughs> <laughs> this scene is probably the closest to like a comic conceit. Like it's probably the closest to a gag moment that could be in literally any other studio comedy. Yeah, I mean the joke is you're the wrong band in the wrong genre but you need to play this other genre to appease the crowd because they're literally rowdy. throwing glass bottles at you. Yeah. And it's a funny joke. I mean, the joke is 
we're gonna play the Rawhide theme song. But I is the Rawhide theme song more famous from Blues Brothers at this point than it is from the fucking Rawhide TV show? I think that is <laughs> it's the very specific way that John Belushi says his like little part. Yeah, he's like, pick him up. Pick him up. <laughs> <laughs> he is adding near nothing to the song. That's absolutely it is it's a good moment but it is kind of like uh after seeing some of the music numbers you just want to see them like do what they do best yeah but they save that for later they do it later but speaking so. of people doing what they do best let's talk about Minnie the moocher <laughs> She was a low-down hoochie-coochie She was the roughest, toughest frail But Minnie had a heart as big as a whale Honey, 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 honey my fucking god literally and it's it's it goes full like off the rails over mm-hmm. the top here they literally just now the the blues brothers just have a jazz like a swing orchestra yep. bandstand uh cab calloway is in a white uh suit <laughs> like um and they just do mini the moocher and it's just they just do it, it is perfect and, it just... <laughs> and it's just a stall until the Blues Brothers come because they ran out of gas. It's just they they nail it, and it's mm-hmm. you just like to watch it. I mean, it's just fun. And the audience is engaged. The police are engaged. John Candy, as one of the police people, is like having the time of his life with the audience. Yeah, I mean, you can't even like you could say this moment is pointless and doesn't need to be there. But I like, would say that that person is wrong and should die in a fire. If anything, the entire rest of the movie is pointless, and this scene is the only one that needs to be there. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Sincerely, the scene just makes me so happy. And I love the climax of this movie, um, where everyone that wants to kill the Blues Brothers are there. Like, everyone showed up to the concert because they knew they would be there. The Nazis, (laughs) the the fucking country band. The country western. Harry Fisher's in the basement. Uh, All the cops. (laughs) I mean, it's iconic, the part where they're on stage and they're about to play a song and they're like, we'd like to thank the uh, entire police department for coming to the show. <laughs> like, and then they destroy all of Chicago to try to get the money to the accountants. Steven Spielberg. Really, the whole, the whole movie leads up to that, this joke, where they can't steal the money because the nun won't accept stolen money to pay off. Yes. So instead of stealing the money, they just commit thousands of other crimes and get all of the police after them. And every every person in, in the in all of Chicago hates them. Um, and that's how they get the money. But they legitimately got the money yeah, because they of. were offered a, a actual recording contract. 
an advance. It, which this doesn't happen. I mean, the most unrealistic stuff in this, and it doesn't matter, but the most unrealistic stuff in this is that they booked a show that day and managed to fill the entire hall. And they got a recording contract when they walked off stage. Oh, it's not the fact that their building <laughs> explodes and they walk it off and they get shot up the air, up in the air in a telephone booth and they walk it off? No. Both of those are more realistic than being <laughs> able to do either of those things in the music industry. Um, <laughs> that being said, when they're singing Jailhouse Rock in the prison at the end, why did the band get arrested? Because <laughs> they all have, like, prison uniform. <laughs> what did they do wrong? Uh... Are they? Ex- I don't even think they're accessories. Aiding and embedding. <laughs> How are they supposed to know what they were up to? We were just gonna be at a band performance. Yeah, they, did, they had no idea. I don't think they got arrested. My my head is they showed up to to play that day. The producers' rules where they they get out a pardon for uniting prisoners um, in song and dance. Hell yeah! Honestly, my opinion, Blues Brothers did nothing wrong. Let them go. <laughs> what did they do wrong? Like, what are their crimes? Um, besides, like, destruction of massive amounts of city property, breaking into that guy's van and gluing his uh, gas pedal down, um, lying, stealing, j- just all sorts of shit. I mean, they-, they definitely committed a lot of crimes, but realistically, it was all in service of something good, which was killing those Nazis. Yeah, killing those Nazis. <laughs> um, you got me there. Is that a crime? I hate um, Illinois Nazis. On that note, what is your overall thoughts on the Blues Brothers and your cheese rating, Andrew? I mean, overall, and I'm not going to pretend this is uh, the greatest film ever made or anything like that. Obviously, I had fun with it, though. Um, I think it's a very fun movie. I think there's a lot of great musical performances. There's a, like a huge number of stars to see. And, I mean, it's got charm, and it's got a bit of a, a tinge of a anti-racist message, which is nice, um, you know? So, I mean, overall, I think it's fun to watch. I think it's pretty good. If you haven't seen Blues Brothers, I think it's worth at least one watch. Yeah. <laughs> if you weren't going to do it because your dad asked you to, do it because your, your good uncle Andrew asked you to. Yeah. Um, as far as cheese... uh. Probably like a Chicago does the hot dogs, right? They love hot dogs. Yeah. So I'll do like a hot dog covered with that cheese sauce. Um, I don't know if that's, is that sacrilege in, in Chicago to cover a hot dog and cheese sauce? I don't really give a shit. I like hot dogs with cheese on them. I don't give a fuck. Wow. You, you went through all, you went through all the emotions there. I really did. I really, really enjoyed this. Um, wish it wasn't directed by a literal murderer. I wish that the murderer didn't take credit for rejuvenating the careers of Aretha Franklin and Ray Charles through this movie and taking credit did for that. Did he really do that? Yeah, he did. Yo, fuck, yo, fuck John Landis. This guy, <laughs> that guy sucks. Oh, they wouldn't be anyone without that film. They were like nobodies and we brought him back into the line. Fuck you, John Landis. The reason they're in the movie is because they weren't nobodies. Like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> um yeah i i agree entirely with that um but it's good for what it is um i really enjoy anytime there's a song going on um and i am going to give this uh chili cheese nachos from wrigley field that sounds pretty good but you know who else likes some nachos from Wrigley Field. It's our wonderful patrons. Thank you guys for supporting us. Please follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher at Musicals with Cheese. We're on Patreon at Musicals with Cheese. Instagram Musicals with Cheese. We have a Twitter page at Cheesy Musicals. 
Um, we have a Patreon-only podcast. Come check it out. We just did an, a little commentary on um, the Rugrats movie. That's pretty fun, right? We all like the the Rugrats. Email us at musicaltheaterlives at gmail.com and tell us how wrong we are about John Landis and how he's totally innocent. Huh? Our keeper of the cheese is Juliet Antonio. This show is edited by Andrew DeWolf and our theme songs were created by Robin Nash of IOU Music UK. Thank you to the Broadway Podcast Network for having us on the platform. All right, you guys, we'll see you next time on Musicals with Cheese. Now, folks, here's the story about Minnie the Moocher. It was a low-down hoochie-coocher. It took him down to Chinatown. He taught her how to kick the gong around. Heidi, 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 hi. Hody, 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 ho. Heedy, 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 Good luck with that, Andrew. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.